This is Broadcast Talking TV, recorded at Maple Street Studios. What are you going to miss about me? Nothing. Nothing. Good, right? You remember when Andy Peters finished at go- going live? <laughs> and, he, and he cried so hard that his snot came out of his mouth. Oh. Hello, I'm Jake Cantor, coming down the Talking TV slipway this week. ITV's Factual Vision takes shape at the Sheffield Dockfest, and we put binge viewing in the spotlight. Later, in our regular producer interview, we get the inside track on the BBC's first full-fat fixed-rig show, Mr. vs. Mrs. Call the Mediator. And finally, we have previews of Judge Rinder's new ITV show, Crime Stories, and BBC Two's Britain's Most Spectacular Backyard Builds. That's all coming up on Talking TV for Broadcast. <laughs> Joining me at Maple Street Studios, uh, Kerfuffle founder Stephen D. Wright, and Robin Parker, broadcast features editor. Hello. Hello. How you doing? Come on. Very Woo! sad. It's a morning. It's, it's a sad sad occasion. <laughs> it's the end of, end of an era. Occasion. You know, you're being released from the bondage of uh, of doing the podcast. Bondage. You know, you've you've been forced down here in this basement against your will for the last few years. <laughs> and it's you're you're free. You're free to fly. The last podcast. I'll miss Jake. I'll miss you, Steve. How many have you done? This is our seventy third episode. Oof. And you haven't missed one, have you? I've missed one. One in that time. Been a while. We'll talk about Sheffield in a bit. But, yes, uh, well, Sheffield's just one part of the talking shop. We had the media summit, the media production show, and then Sheffield all in one week. So I feel kind of panelled out, shall we yeah, say. It's but been, it's uh, a lot of, a lot a of lot talking. Of, a lot of conferencing. So I think this is kind of the, 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 the cherry on top is the last bit of tally chat. Okay. Well, look, let's, uh, let's crack on with some of those conferences then. Uh, first this week, a little insight into Sue Murphy's plans for factual entertainment at ITV. Uh, the former Optima boss unveiled her first commissions, including Undercover Prisoner, an ITV Studios format that has echoes of any Networks' noisy US prison series 60 Days In. Uh, factual controller Joe Clinton Davis also took to the Sheffield Dockfest stage to declare that the department wants mad, bad ideas and would love to find the next I'm a Celebrity, get me out of here. Stephen. I quite like the thought of the mad, bad, sort of dangerous idea. It's a nice quote, isn't it? It's a great quote. I mean, as long as don't hope, the mad bit. <laughs> I just hope. I just hope they really go for it because the big problem with ITV is they, they, they're never quite as risk taking as they they should be. You know, what I mean, they're always that slightly more safe, and they're, they're nakedly commercial, so they have to have hits. Whereas if they could just ease off a little bit, then I think they will start to you know grow mad ideas. When I'm a celebrity came out, no one thought it was going to be an instant hit. No one thought it'd be running for like a hundred years or whatever it is. It is you know it's been going on so long. It was an instant hit, wasn't it? I mean, I was looking through our archive, uh, but it this was week, it, it was it, an unusual it one. It was an unusual one for ITV to do at the time. You know what I mean? It wasn't an obvious show for. They them. were all a bit surprised by it. Just yeah, and it, was, and it was it was definitely mad. So it, it's like if I if ITV can get into that spirit of things, then you know all good all good things. I mean, I love the sound of this. Can that happen these days? I mean, it's so rare, isn't it, that a show it just sparks into life? Well, it's, it's very difficult to... Well, because of social media now and the fact that everybody's ready to stick the knives in, you know, immediately, it's difficult to, to, to have that protected thing where you can grow a sleeper hit or whatever. Um, but, the, the, you know, the main thing is, is it, can the commissioners hold their nerve? You know, if they've got a good show, if they know it's going to be good, they, they, they stick with it. And eventually that kind of media fuss dies down and then you can tell. You know, if you look at Top Gear, Top Gear is like they're changing it slowly, slowly. Eventually, people will forget all the, the, the bollocks, you know what I mean? And it'll be whether it's any good or not. At the moment, it's difficult to tell. So if ITV can be uh, brave, as commissioners can, and hold their nerve and not think about, uh, you know, internet reviews and whatever, then, you know, you're going to get good stuff. But Joe Clinton Davis said 
in Sheffield that they 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 can't really do that. They haven't got a situation at ITV where they can allow a show to plateau like the first series of uh, First Dates did for Channel yeah, Four. Yeah, that's always been the way with BBC One and ITV. ITV, yeah, the bigger mainstream channels. You've got to hit the numbers, particularly on the commercial ITV. You know, you've got to serve that audience. That doesn't mean you can't surprise them with something a bit bold and different, and that might land. I mean. That's why I'm a celebrity did. I'm a celebrity, you know, there are elements there which are traditional. You know, it's a, there's been reality type stuff. There's been celebrity type stuff. They put stuff together and it, it gelled. Yes, that was a bit of a gamble. But they had, presumably, I can't remember who's in the first series, but they had the right celebrities, the right mix then. It, Tony it, Blackburn. It hit for them. Well, there you was go. Tony Blackburn wasn't in the first series. I think I he was. Mm, no, maybe not. Let's all, the sound of a million people Googling. I don't think he was in the first one, but uh, I certainly remember that, that, that series when he was in it. But I think the other question is, you know, the more factual side of things you know she said they're doing more stuff with peers more stuff with trevor mcdonald i think there's been some thought that they, they, they might you know rest them and, and get some get some new blood in but they they have they have presenters that work for them and i think that seems to work that's the kind of stuff that works them uh, in straight factual with people like paula grady doing stuff before you know the kind of one-offs and kind of slightly more dry single singles and short series that richard klein commissioned didn't find an audience, so they, were, they felt quite lifeless by comparison. If they can generate more of those kind of personalities and more of those kind of kind of hits that aren't, I mean, good just, ideas, aren't just good ideas will always succeed. That's really all that we're asking for, you know. And that's what they're saying they're going to go for. When they say mad and dangerous, they mean slightly, you know, different, from safe the and commercial, <laughs> different from the ultra safe. That's the thing, yeah. you know. And there can be, there can be that, you know. It only takes two percent of of difference between a sort of safe and wild mm. idea. You know what I mean? It's, it's Do never... we think that Undercover Prisoner has the, the well? Yeah, I mean, the, the, prisons the potential ha- prisons to break has, out prisons have rated for them for years with the wild, you know, the wild pictures, straight documentaries. You know, they've done, but they've you know they've worked through four or five different prisons now. Clearly, that subject matter works for them, and this is going to be a different way. That sounds sounds interesting. I mean, it's a formatted a approach, in. isn't it, into yeah. a subject that, as you say, clearly works for them. Yeah, I mean, the uh, thing about ITV when it's you know, when they go to their kind of core subjects, they do it better than anyone else. You know, it's the same with all the channels. All the channels have got their kind of little, their kind of their, their niche. And when they do that stuff really well, it really works. So when ITV does very kind of pure tabloid, quite loud, quite, you know, quite sort of bullish ideas, you know, they work brilliantly. You know, I'm a Celebrity works because it is pure tabloid celebrity. It's not a social experiment in the way that Big Brother was supposed to be. Mm. You know, it's it was a sort of a, a garish kind of, uh, you know, sort of hate fest sometimes. And that's why we loved it. So when ITV sort of admits its kind of baser tendencies, whoosh, you know, they, it doesn't mean it's bad. It's, tabloid, I think, is a, is, a very pro, uh, is a very positive word. You know what I mean? And I think that's what, what this, this prison idea, this kind of new sense of kind of slightly more out there in your face ideas. Yes, exactly. And Robin, any other highlights from Sheffield? Well, it's interesting to see um, Ben Frow take to the stage for the first time and in his inimitable way um he's always good value he's though. always good value and you know he was out there to set to say to kind of you know, the slightly more serious sort of thinky doc makers of sheffield you know that there's a home view here at channel five and some of his more sort of loyal suppliers were on stage to to reflect that and i think you know quite similar to itv in a way you know he's like we want broad we want accessible we want any no no not many subjects off off the are taboo to us um, but don't think that it's got to be, you know, trash in dark markets because it's Channel 5. Think about how to bring viewers to any subject. Um, and I think he sent a message home of them being quite, of, quite efficient and, and fast decision making and so on. Um, 
so that was good. And yeah, I mean, generally it was a very lively event, really popular. I mean, people were you know, sell out, sell out uh, performances of documentaries, well attended panels. You know, lots of stuff being discussed. Big names: Attenborough, Loach, Louis Theroux, Michael Moore. You know, the the, the big names were Quite kind of the films. Yeah, Factual's in a good place. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, that noise of optimism. Let's, let's yeah, I never got my invite to Sheffield. Let's talk about some drama, shall we? Yeah. yeah. Up next, uh, the BBC's decision to premiere the full series of upcoming fantasy drama, The Living and the Dead, uh, on iPlayer from this Friday. Uh, it is the first time that the BBC has released a drama in this way and follows Netflix publishing what it described as the binge scale. Uh, this showed that subscribers blast through horror shows and thrillers such as Hemlock Grove and The Killing, uh, but prefer to savour more complex titles like House of Cards and Narcos. Do we recognise this? Uh, a little bit. I, I looked at the binge scale to work out where I was and I realised I'd binged some of the things that you're not supposed to binge. <laughs> You've just uh, gone through them. I'd gone through them so much, so, you know, so hungry was I for content. But... Uh, <laughs> No, it slightly worries me that the BBC is sort of following the Netflix model, but at the same time, I've looked to catch up on iPlayer, and of course you can't catch up on iPlayer for more than four weeks, and so any kind of drama doesn't really work when you do that sort of box set, oh, I'll do, you know, especially when people start talking about a show and you've got to see this, and so I mean, definitely this is a kind of a good thing, but I, I just wish that we didn't, we didn't all sort of think that everything on Netflix was, was, was the, the future, you know what I mean? That's the thing. I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm a little bit Brexit when it comes to Netflix. I'm, I'm Nef, ne, Nexit. There we go. I'm Nexit. But um, yeah, no, no, I mean, it's, it, you know, I like the idea. I mean, I, I watched Carshare, for example. Not Car, yeah, Carshare Car on, yeah. Uh, on iPlayer. I watched that and that was, that, that you know, it was kind of a new thing. And it, but it was so good that it was so enjoyable. It's it, it, it sort of work. It's an, it's an easy watch as well. It's like, a, yeah. you know, it's... It's the warm bath, isn't it? Yeah, that was I mean, the... this drama, I don't, need, I don't know anything about the drama other than it's, it's scheduling. You know well, it's I mean? a bit supernatural. I mean, it kind of fits into the, that the the former category, the, yeah. the, the, mm. the thing you sort of get through quite quickly. And uh, it's going up on iPlayer about two weeks uh, before it And will it be it's... like Carshare where they, they have the whole series and then they take it off one, when, back to a weekly schedule once it's on I don't it. know if they're going to so take it off. That, yeah, that's, that's a, a good question. Because the difference with what Sky does is Sky leaves, up, leaves shows up there, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah their, their whole box sets. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it creates a bit of noise around, around this show, makes it look exciting. I mean, they did it with, the, I think, the first half of New, new Blood or New Bloods, the new Anthony Horowitz drama. Did they? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> episodes one to three of that were on air and that didn't set the world on fire. Um, I think they probably felt well, this is quite young and funky, you know. I mean, it's, it's not going to—it's not going to appeal to most of the audience. Most of the audience is going to go right over their heads. This is the young people with their with their smartphones. Do you know what and I mean? Their tablets with their tablets. Um, this isn't for the old folk like myself, you know, with the steam-driven <laughs> televisions. Uh, you know, uh, but even Netflix. I mean, that's the other thing. Talk about Netflix. Netflix are doing quite a lot of weekly episodes now. They're not doing binge watching. But aren't the they thing. doing that when it's not their original commissions? No, not that? necessarily. There's certain things on Netflix that are, that are one week by week and. Um, um, and I've done those as well. I've watched weekly episodes. We're going full Netflix. circle. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, it, this is the thing. It's, it's it's just another way of watching. As long as people are watching, then that's that's all good for as far as I'm concerned. But definitely iPlayer should be a little bit more reactive to being able to watch box sets or that sort of yeah. thing. Because it's very frustrating when you're telling somebody about how good an, an episode is and they can only watch episode four. Or you can't start a drama on episode four because the first three weeks have been deleted. Mm-hmm. That's that's a bit strange. Yeah, I remember that particularly when the, when the killing was on. Well, that was in the first series, what, 20 parts or whatever it was, telling people about that. It was no good at all. Yeah. Episode one Because everyone, everyone assumes now, oh, well, I'll watch it on catch-up. No, yeah. you can't do that on the BBC. So that's possibly the, the, the future, to be 
you know, at least one sort of standard for all the channels. But saying that, I spent two de- two hours the other day trying to find something on Walter Presents before I realised it wasn't on my Sky Box catch up. It wasn't anything. It's only on the internet. It's literally only on the internet. It's not on your TV. That really annoyed me. Okay. Finally, our commissioner of the fortnight, uh, Sky One has secured access to the secretive organisation The Freemasons in a four-part documentary series uh, produced by Emporium Productions. It will delve into the regalia, jewels, handshakes and symbolic working tools of the group ahead of its 300th anniversary next year. Are we uh, are we interested to to get the oh, inside yeah. track I mean, on the, the Freemasons? We, are we going to get the truth? I are mean, there any is Freemasons it, is in it, television? Is it virgins being sacrificed <laughs> for job, you know, promotion, or is it actually the golf club? Yes, Do you know what I mean. And it's uh, a, are there any Freemasons in television, Steve? Well, presumably the, that, the producers of this show but, now. Presumably, you know, so I, I did give you a secret handshake when I came in. <laughs> um, I don't know. It, it's one of those things. I'm fascinated by the idea of the Freemasons, but I'm worried that it, they'll turn out to be horrible old <laughs> Just a boys tor- club. Yeah, a Tory boars. You know yeah. what I mean? Wearing, you know, it literally. I don't know. You know, it's, this is. I want it to be like the Stonecutters. You know, in the Simpsons. Yeah. I want it to be that evil. And uh, but why would they let the cameras in? <laughs> that evil. I, mean, I don't know. But it does sound interesting. Robin? Yeah, it's uh, well, clearly there's a bit of a, some sort of PR job. It does beg the question of why they want to let you in and what they want what they want you to see. When are we going to see the mafia, the the, the, the inside story of the mafia? Trevor yeah. McDonald's done that. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is our killing room. You I know? love the way <laughs> they bill it. They bill it as a secretive organisation <laughs> who have allowed cameras in for, yeah. for four episodes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we're a bit lukewarm on this, really, aren't we? I don't know. No, no. Listen, no, it could the, be good. I mean, I like the ambition great. of it. Yeah. You know, I like the ambition. It's it's it shows that Sky are taking on you know proper journalistic sort of stuff. That's good. What what we'll get it's always a problem with these kind of shows. You know, you you the, the the sell is so great, and sometimes the content is a bit like you know it's been censored. You know that the lawyers mm. have have taken that bit out, and you, that's what I don't like about those sort of shows because you know you you do want exposés and investigative journalism. But so it's so difficult to do it now. But of course, that's where the that's the you know that's where the skill yeah. of the filmmaker comes in. And to draw parallels, the best kind of treatments of Scientology who don't who don't really allow the cameras in is when it goes wrong and you've got uh, mm. people you know John Sweeney John Sweeney John Sweeney, John Sweeney, Sweeney screaming bursting blood vessels trying trying to trying to get in and now Louis through tackling that as well in his own way and, and and going clear as well with with the very sort of excommunicated members sort of dishing the dirt. You know, if they can get access to people who've been booted out of the Freemasons who just can spill the secrets, then all the better. Mm. But it doesn't it'll be interesting to see what they do. Interesting. So that's your news for this week. Thanks to Robin and Stephen. Uh, now then, BBC Two has dipped its toes into the fixed rig phenomenon with Mr. versus Mrs. Call the Mediator. Uh, the documentary has secured access to National Family Mediation, an organisation that helps warring couples resolve their disputes without having to go through the courts. Filmed over the course of 18 months, the company behind the three-part series is Wild Pictures, uh, which is perhaps best known for ITV's hit prison documentaries, including Strange Ways. Series director Barnaby Pill will be with us in a moment. But first, uh, here's a bit of a taste from the three-part series. When people come to see us, their relationships are over. They're in dispute about the most fundamental things in their lives. Right, are we ready to go through? The house was going to be our financial security for when we sold it and downsized later on in life. They've gone from loving each other to hate is a strong word, but 
having a huge dislike for each other. Yet they know they've got to resolve matters. Did I leave with any jewellery? You have. Did I leave with any jewellery? That's all I'm asking. I'm asking yes or no. you. The atmosphere in the room can be quite charged. Uh, welcome, Barnaby. Thank you. So you're all signed, sealed and delivered, are you? We are, yes, we are. After, <laughs> you know, uh, a, a marathon project. Has but, this been um, one of the longest uh, productions you've worked on? The longest, I think, that I've done as a single, you know, as a single project, yes, I think so. I mean, I've done things that I've sort of, I've dipped in and out of over a longer longer period, but uh, but as a single project, yeah. At what point did you uh, did you get involved? Very, very early, actually, with this particular series, which was great, which was really good to do, because that isn't always the case. I'd, I mean, I'd worked with uh, Wild before, and... Um, when I got there, they'd got access to the, you know, to the National Family Mediation. That was kind of a better, you know, they were at the point of trying to do something with that, look at what yeah. the rig would do in that environment, uh, and really kind of prove to the BBC that it was a, it was going to be possible, and b, what it was, what was going to happen, you know, where, where, what would it deliver? Um, and so I did a, uh, I did a sort of pilot stroke taster. At that point, when you've got that access, what comes first, finding the centre? contributors i mean we always knew that you know it's obviously a difficult part of people's lives and so we always knew that finding the contributors was was going to be something that would take quite an intensive effort but i mean you know you need to be working closely with the organization first and foremost so i suppose that's the, that's always the starting point you know convincing the people at the at the coal face about what we were doing and why we we're doing it was uh, was probably the first thing we had to do and then from and the, how do you go about that Building well, trust, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Which is, you know, always the uh, always the same thing, isn't it? Really, with uh, with documentaries of uh, particularly things that are in a sort of sensitive area. But I think, you know, matter, no matter what you're doing, when you're going into people's lives and uh, and so on, it, it is about trust. Um, and I think, uh, but I think also understanding how it would work, you know, and what, how we would work with them, how we would work with the the clients of the services. And I think a lot of that sort of has to come from the other side as well you know you can't go in there and just impose what you want to do you've got to look at what's going to work for them what what will what will align with what they're trying to do as a as an organization what's going to fit and not get in the way of them actually doing the job they're all there to do which is nothing to do with making television programs obviously <laughs> which is fixing relationships ultimately indeed, isn't it indeed I mean, well indeed. Or, or yes or, or, or at least putting them into a place where they can kind of uh, you know sit and not uh, not cause too much trouble, I yeah. suppose. Having watched the first episode, mm. these are deeply personal disputes, aren't they? Sure. How do you go about convincing people that not only are they going to go through this quite emotionally testing period, but it's going to be on television? I mean, I think all you can do really is explain to people what you're doing and why you're doing it. If people understand what you're doing and understand why you're doing it, there are always going to be those people who start to see value in it so i mean and actually it was very difficult i would say the, the interesting thing i mean i think the biggest challenge with it is the two sides to every story and you know you and getting both of those sides was absolutely critical i mean there was no way really that we were going to do this on a one-sided you know that was never going to work it's fascinating but, to watch it unravel because you you sort of naturally immediately side with one of the partners because you just hear their side of the story you think oh obviously they're in the right and then you hear the other side, <laughs> you know, your, your allegiances are, are sometimes tested. Absolutely. And, and I think to me that was always, in terms of making a film about, you know, a series about mediation, that was one of the things that really appealed to me about it. I think, you know, we're all very quick to make our minds up about things. And the world's a complicated place, isn't it? And I think, uh, you know, there's a great opportunity here to make something that sort of got at some of these issues that people have in relationships, as, as, as well as kind of understanding how you can try and 
resolve <laughs> resolve some of those issues, uh, but but that gave you both uh, you know both sides of the story and, and made you think. Because in a way, the solutions have to come from an understanding of how complicated it actually really is, and it's you know it is never as simple as well, you know the two people the two people in the relationship aren't they? So, Some you know, of them are not even talking to each other. No. So how do you go about convincing them both that it's a good idea to 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 do this? Well, it, uh, I mean, we talked to them separately. We yes. met them separately. We talked to them separately, and when we had uh, both parties saying to us, "Yes, we'd be prepared to do this." Uh, then we were in a position to, to, to start doing something. We met people individually. So we met people, uh, usually at a very early stage before they started mediation. That was, the, that was the way we were trying to work. You had to work with them as, in, as, as individuals. Of course, they knew that we were also working with the other, uh, the other half as well, uh, or former other half. But you had to look at things from their point of view and understand what, what they wanted from the process. And then... You know, and then start to do the same with the other side. And when we had two people, obviously, that both were both happy to do that, then then we were in, in a place to, to put people into the series. So tell us about the filming process. First time BBC's done proper fixed rig. You must have hours and hours of footage to get through. How do you work through that? It's a bit of a painstaking process. I mean, as a fixed rig, compared with uh, some of the other fixed rigs, you know, we, we weren't a very big fixed rig. We were, it's quite a limited, uh, you know, four-camera set up so it probably wasn't generating the volume material that some uh, that some series do but at the same time you know uh, these mediations go on for quite a long time and I think one of the challenges for us was kind of trying to get to the get to the heart of what was going on in those meetings without um, you know I mean there's not a lot of commentary in the series you know we, we, we wanted people's stories to unfold within the meetings themselves and and that had to come from you know quite a lot of work to make the uh, to make the the meetings make sense and to kind of you know make sure you knew where you were in them and to kind of understand what the argument was you know what the point was because people you know there's all sorts of things come up it could be quite complicated uh, as you can imagine things get shrouded in other, in other yeah. disputes and other, yeah uh, and other there's all sorts of other things yeah. going on yeah absolutely <laughs> and and it's kind of picking out what the things are that sort of are really, really central matter. to yeah they're really central so are to you the couple. sitting in a room observing every meeting or a member of your team yeah i mean well we were a very small team logging, so, basically. so yeah we're sort of of sitting sitting watching and making sense of it so you know you'd have a, you'd have a sense of how each how each meeting had gone and the mediator is very good at their job is to make things clear i suppose both to both parties and try and stop them being shrouded in uh, the other complications of life and, and are you editing as you go along or no uh, we do you try and film the whole story and then yeah we and then tackle the edit we did everything at the, we editing wise. We did it all at the end because these, some of these stories took quite a long time to unfold. Some of them, some of them, much shorter. I mean, some people aren't there for very long. You know, they have a go and it doesn't quite work out, and so some were uh, some were quicker. But a lot of them were over quite a long period of time. So yes, at the end of the process, then we'd sort of bring um, uh, the whole thing together. I mean, one of the things that was really obvious to me at the start was that the meetings wouldn't make sense without a really clear sense of who people were and what they were bringing to it. I mean, one of the things that, that a mediator will say to you very um, early on when you uh, turn up at mediation is that it isn't therapy, you know, and so you're not encouraged to bring your baggage into the room. You, you, ca- you can do. I mean, if you need to talk about stuff, you, you can talk about whatever you want as long as both, both people want to do that. So in a way, the, me- the mediator is trying to focus purely on the practical stuff to try and get a solution to the problem that's in front of the couple. For us understanding what was actually driving that did mean understanding 
you know the background and what, how people had ended up where they were um, and so it was really obvious to me from the start that we were going to have to spend quite a lot of time with people sort of getting that understanding and so that we would be able to sort of feed that into the process so that you could sort of understand what was driving them in the negotiation why they felt as they did and you've got sort of three key stories in the first episode haven't you uh, yeah, uh, and is that the case for the for the other for all the, the, all the, the other episodes? Two? Yeah, they're all yeah. three. There are three uh, couples in each, and presumably you were, you had many more going on. How did you hone in on those three? We, yeah, we did. I mean, I think it was it was a question of, I mean, a uh, variety. You know, we wanted to make. Sure, I mean, I think we've got quite a, a diverse range of issues that people bring in across the series, which is good. Um, that was one of the one of the things that we obviously wanted to be able to do. Some people's mediations were more clear than others. So the ones that really have ended up in the series, I suppose, are the ones that are capable of telling you something, you know, and that where you've really, you, you, you've ideally, you've been able to follow them through to some sort of conclusion. And you know, it goes out next week. Mm-hmm. Do you think you've got the recipe to, to do more if it works? Yes, I think so. I think the thing that's really interesting about it is that on the face of it, it's weirdly limiting. The entire thing is weirdly limiting. So you've got a room, usually white or beige, uh, it's usually quite small. It's got three chairs in it. It's got a flip chart in it. It's got a box of tissues in it. And that's kind of it. And then these people go in and, you know, they're not very happy and they talk about the problems they've got and then they come out again. And you kind of think, well, how long does that sustain for? Do you know what I mean? How, how, how? I mean, that was one of my questions starting the series. How, how long can we, can we spend in this room, you know, with these people? But I think the thing that's really striking is that because the issues are so... They're universal, but at the same time, they're unique to everybody. Everybody's situation is different. And, and so that was the thing that, you know, really struck straight away. Everybody you met had a, had a tale to tell about, you know, what was going on, on their, their life, most of which you could relate to, of course, because they're all problems we've all had, uh, you know, or know people that have had. So, yes, yeah, so I do think it became very clear that it was, you know, there was a lot there in terms of what we were uh, trying to do in the series. And, I, you know, I, there would be uh, no repetition, let's say, if you, if you went back and uh, there are plenty more... Uh, uh, plenty more discussions that we we haven't seen and haven't recorded. So. Well, uh, all the best for the series. I hope it goes well. Uh, Mister versus Mrs. Call the Mediator gets underway on the twenty first of June at nine pm on BBC Two. And news just in: Tony Blackburn was on the first series of I'm a Celebrity, although uh, he's no longer on our airwaves. So uh, maybe we should move on swiftly. <laughs> <laughs> Previews time now. Back with me on the Talking TV sofa are Robin Parker and Stephen D. Wright. Our first preview is BBC Two's Britain's Most Spectacular Backyard Builds. Uh, RDF Television's one-off format features Sarah Cox and Piers Taylor challenging three inventors to create something with two and a half grand. In this clip, Sarah heads to the seaside to meet inventors Nick and Carolyn. Their grand plan is to construct a carousel, but with an extra special function. It dispenses sweets as you ride. And it's for one very important client, their granddaughter, India. Initially, I gave a little bit of paper to India, my granddaughter, and I said, I want you to draw what you would like me to invent. And she drew some candy canes and a little load of cogs, and she says, there you go, I want a sweet-making machine. And I thought, what a good idea. When I grow up, I really want to be an inventor like Bumper. So did this uh, make you want to be an inventor when you grow up? I thought it was it was fun, um, a nice sort of celebration of kind of the am- the amateur boffins. They had a, a few issues I had with it. One was 
it was pretty obvious in this who was going to win from the start. <laughs> there was this couple who were clearly a lot better than the others and a lot more organised. The format points, although it's sort of filmed all over the, all over the country, were beat for beat. Your bake-offs and their various spin-offs, uh, right down to the kind of graphics showing what they're going to make. And then the little discussion point between the two presenters at the end where they, they say whether they've got a winner. And... The repeated use of the word bonkers and mad got on my nerves a lot. Like, if this is going to become a series, they've got to find some new ways of describing what people are doing without it being... It's one of those things where, oh, it's absolutely bonkers. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, know. it's kind of lazy and offensive at the same and time. A lot of wow as well. The, the biggest problem for me, there was the first five minutes, great. The last five minutes, great. The middle of it, oof, that was a bit of a struggle. I mean, week three, watching somebody pick up a bit of metal is not exciting. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, I thought when the first bit started, I thought, oh, this is brilliant. You know, because the idea of seeing that sort of grand design madness mm. slash genius was so kind of, oh, what a great idea. And everyone's pitched this kind of show before. Everyone's pitched Britain's Amateur Inventors. Amateur Isn't this, this just Scrappy Challenge? It, yeah, writ large off. or in the background yeah. or whatever. You know, but a couple of things. Sarah Coxey's technical knowledge, I thought, mm, I didn't remember her being an engineering expert. Although I, you know, I quite like the way she could read terms out in the script. But I didn't believe her as the presenter. You know what I mean? Mm. It, you know, there was no expertise coming from her. Although I thought she was good. I think she is a good presenter. But whereas she worked on the, the pottery challenge last year, because you didn't need to be a pottery expert, on this, you sort of need to be a little bit more understanding, particularly in that sort of middle section of the of the show, when it's about the build or it's about the invention or about... You know, there was a couple of lines of video where, you know, our safety engineer has told him to change all this. Well, could we not have seen that? That would have been the fun part. You know, finding out that, oh, by the way, if you do that, you'll electrocute yourself. That's the bit I was expecting or looking forward to. You know, not that's bit happened off camera, which is sort of, they, they mention it in the But that's sort of the BBC Two-ness of it, isn't it, as well? Because you want to get that technical side and that's what, bit, yeah. Yeah, that's it, what BBC it, Two does it well. Sort of, it, to me, as I say, the first bit and the last bit worked. The middle bit needed a hell of a lot of work. You know, it just, it rambled. It was, it became very samey. Certain builds didn't necessarily progress. It was, and it was that's and, where I started to look out the window. And it was sort of padded out by some of the other inventions. They tried to draw some parallels between, you know, who, the ones in the competition and some other mm. bonkers things that so were, I quite were like being made. Kind of, I quite like the VTs yeah. of people, you know, building planes in the back garden. That stuff I could have done with more. but Less of the kind it, of competition. I it was difficult. Yeah. The, the competition actually is the thing that really didn't work. Yeah. The competition felt like an extra layer they'd it added is, yeah. on. Whereas if it had been some, a pure, some pure documentary, Britain's nutters making stuff, who could be geniuses or who might not be? Brilliant, you know. I'd love to know a bit more about that marriage. But it's all got to be their, their relationship. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's all not got to be a challenge. It's all got can... to be a challenge now, isn't it? It's all got to be the Great British, whatever. Yeah. So, so as a pilot, has this, think, got, has this got more life I think, in it? Well, I, you know, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, and I watched it to the end, and I think there's something in there that needs smoothing. I mean, out. yeah, it, it needs to be improved, and that's the whole point of a of an on air pilot. Yeah. You know, there was good bits in it, but there was a, a fair few bits that needed to sort of you know, tinkering with the, to use it might a need of mechanical a, expression. It might need a better, a better title as well. I mean, it's quite a cumbersome yeah. title. Yeah, I'll try and repeat it again, shall I? <laughs> Britain's Most Spectacular Backyard Bills airs on the 21st of June at 8pm on BBC Two. Uh, next up is new ITV daytime series Judge Rinder's Crime Stories. Uh, criminal barrister Robert Rinder unpicks real-life cases using witness accounts, CCTV footage and news reports. In this case, Laura's friends and a psychiatrist describe how she changed after she started a relationship with Jordan. As Jordan and Laura's relationship developed, those closest to her noticed a shift in her personality. We would have long, long conversations and I noticed that they were 
cutting down. So sometimes she wouldn't answer the phone, so I thought she was mad at me. It's came to the point where she's just texted me saying, Jordan doesn't want me to speak to you anymore. I've replied to her a few times, asking her why, questions, but nothing after that. But there were even more worrying signs that Laura was changing. About six months in, um, that's when I noticed that he was controlling her a lot. Where he was telling her what she could wear, where she could go, what she could spend her money on. Early on in the relationship, Laura started to change the things that she wore. She wore less revealing clothes, and it seems that this is because Jordan was starting to control the way that she dressed. And that's a really early sign of somebody with control issues. So, Stephen, I know you want to start. This is utterly harrowing. I found this quite a disturbing watch, actually. Um... The first story, the show has two it's stories. It's really unsettling. Was the whole really thing. quite gruesome and and hardcore, and it felt exploitative. Uh, you know, emotionally, you, you see these people's pain in quite a dramatic way. Um, and then the sort of second story was very sort of horrifying in its sort of uh, violence. But what surprised me was that there was Judge Rinder didn't actually do anything. There was no analysis from him. There was just he was he was topping tailing the show. There was no expertise, legal expertise. There was no discussion of what prisoners do when they're charged, etc. Or, or, or you know, it, it felt felt a strange show because I thought he was going to analyse these cases that were going to be particularly significant for certain reasons, whereas it felt like they just picked a random murder um, that is very gruesome. I mean, you know, tonally it doesn't feel daytime to me it felt it's, like a, this should not be on a daytime well it just i was kind of like wow the first bit was was really quite hard to watch and um yes it's interesting yes it's a good it's a good sort of it looks good it made it well etc but tonally there was a it just it threw me a little bit and i was very disappointed i never got his barrister's expertise as a criminal barrister i was expecting him to show for us the kind of non-legal audience quite a lot of insight into the way um, it would work in a court or how people do things, etc. And it just felt like he was reading a script. So I felt a bit disappointed by that. Um, but tonally, <gasps> hardcore. It felt to me like like watching a Alfred Hitchcock or Rod Serling introduce like an old sort of twisted tale. Yeah. Well, the, the, uh, the, a lot of that background music and the... The know, music was, heavily, was, was constant. I mean, you know, it was like, you know... The voiceover is very dramatic. The, the, you know, you know this girl's been murdered. Because you can tell everyone's upset about it, but you don't really need the icing on the cake of horror, horror style effects, etc. I mean, that's the thing. And the, and the re- reconstructions. The reconstructions. Well. I mean, yeah. you, you, I mean, it's, it's always a fine line. You know, it's that crime watch thing of you know, don't don't go to bed scared. But you know, I was watching this in the middle of the afternoon. <laughs> I was shitting myself. It's hot. So, but, uh, but I, is it not? It was deeply unsettling. But is it not? Is it for daytime TV? Is it not the equivalent of reading, you know, the horror stories in Take a Break magazine or whatever? <laughs> is it? You know, is it not? Does it not fit into that, that, gonna, that kind of tabloid TV? It's going to cause grannies and the unemployed. I don't know be, because it, when you see the CCTV footage of the killer, and I know yeah. you don't see anything yeah. that is, you know, bordering on violent, but it's sinister. Well, no, it's, it's just it's got that. There's, min- there's minor chords. And, 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 the, and the second, the second attack <laughs> was yeah. the the acid attack. Yeah. And, it's just, I mean, so... The hate in that actor's eyes was just, you know... <laughs> it was yeah, genuinely scary. Right so I... This is how much it stuck with me. I went down to my car in the underground car park last night and I was thinking about this show and that unprovoked acid <laughs> attack. And it made me scared. I was nervous. wearing a full hazmat I was on suit my right own. Now. 
Yeah, no, that, it, that it shows gen- it's quite effective. It's genuinely then, scary to watch yeah, this yeah. because it is real, and they do lay it on thick with this. And he and he is not a re, you know a reassuring tone. He is no. there. <laughs> he, he is there with his sort of sal- anyone, salacious delight in telling us these. Anyone stories. who's watched Judge Rinder before isn't going to expect this hardcore tone. They're going to expect you know bitchy queen kind of comments about <laughs> you know you owe your boss fifty quid for you know selling him a computer or whatever it is. And suddenly we've got murders and. 81 stab wounds and you know burnt acid off your face it's, it that is you know with all that music and hitchcockian style at suspense and ooh. Oh, that definitely is an audience there's that kind of you know but they're not they're not watching telly at 2 30 in the afternoon or whatever or 5 30 that used to be kids tv my bet this will be a massive hit <laughs> john frinder's crime stories launches on the 20th of june at 2 p.m it is made by itv studios and runs for 10 episodes and that's your lot for this episode uh thanks to uh, Stephen and Robin and indeed that's your lot from me as I am signing off as the presenter of Talking TV. Uh, it's been an absolute privilege being with you every fortnight over the past three years. Thank you for listening. Uh, I'd also like to thank Lisa Campbell for getting us off the ground in July 2013. Chris Curtis for continuing to support the show and most of all Matt Hill our producer extraordinaire. Uh, the show will go on. Talking TV will be back with fresh blood next month. And to celebrate the past uh, 73 editions of the programme, we'll be playing some of our favourite interviews in two special editions of the show. Uh, Get them by subscribing on your podcast app of choice or at broadcastnow.co.uk. For the last time from me, though, I'm Jake Cantor and the producer is Matt Hill. Goodbye. You've been listening to Broadcast, talking TV, recorded at Maple Street Studios. Hello and welcome to Talking TV. I'm Hello and a warm welcome to the very first broadcast podcast. I'm Jake Cantor. Once we're in full swing, we'll be here every fortnight. Now then, are we all good? Now then, Grimsby. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, to be honest. Hello, I'm Jake Cantor. What's with the question marks? Come on! Uh, well, look, we wish you all the best with that. <laughs> I'll get there. <laughs> Do you want to go from the start? <laughs>